Welcome to the Sexy Than a Squirrel podcast, the podcast that turns dog training on its tail with a whirlwind of fun and games that achieve real life results for you and your dog. Each episode is a treasure trove of inventive games-based training solutions supported by our Games Club, the ultimate dog training membership with a team of pro dog trainers helping you every step of the way 24-7. Think of us as your go-to squad of dog experts. I'm Lauren Langman, a top-level agility competitor. I've competed and won all over the world and at the largest show in the world, Crufts, with my superstar Blink. I'm a Sunday Times best-selling author, owner of one of the largest dog training facilities in the whole of the UK and a founder of the Sexy and the Squirrel Challenge, a challenge that has helped over 140,000 dog owners just like you to get real-life results. Our team consists of experts in scent work, detection, search and rescue, tracking, agility, obedience, heel work to music, the intricacies of why your dog does exactly what they do, naughty but nice, behavioural problems and so much more. We're here to help you be the very best dog owner that you can be for your dog. In our world, you'll become more mesmerising to your dog than the juicy, marinating steak on the counter or the mysterious smelly thing on the side of the road. Yes, you really can become even more tantalising than fox poo and even the local jogger. Our mission, we know how to make you the apple of your dog's eye by tapping into the transformational power of play and learning through games. Whether you're wrangling a bitey, sharky puppy or teaching an old dog new tricks, the Sexier Than a Squirrel podcast is packed with creative strategies and supporting advice for you. Become the most thrilling part of your dog's world. Ready, set, play. Welcome to the Sexier Than a Squirrel podcast powered by the Games Club. Now, today we are talking rescue dogs and rescue dogs being such a huge part of our society and making up a massive proportion of our dog owning homes. I'm welcoming today the wonderful Michelle and the wonderful Katrin. Michelle, who is a dog trainer of many rescue dogs and Katrin, who's an owner of many rescue dogs. Welcome, welcome, Michelle and Katrin. Katrin, I'm going to head straight to you. Tell us a little bit about why you are interested in rescue dogs and maybe a little bit about your history with rescue dogs yeah so first of all thank you very much for having me here um so yeah uh, my history with rescue dogs has really started when i was young because we adopted a rescue dog um when i was probably not even a teenager um so i've grown up with them really we've had um, our first rescue dog which was came from spain and then we've um, had several other dogs that all one one or the other way were rescue dogs as well so Ever since then, I've had a big passion for rescue dogs. Um, I've got now four rescue dogs. Um, a fifth one is joining the family next year. Um, so yeah, it's it's growing, and and it's just because I feel, um, you know, every dog deserves a home. Um, and there's so many dogs in rescue, and so many dogs needing our help that that just seems the right thing to do. <laughs> I love it. So it resonates with you. And Michelle, we see huge amounts of uh, rehomed or um, replaced rescue dogs effectively. So some of them, I would say, rescue and rehome. It's an interesting space because Blink was a rehome. I wouldn't say she was a rescue. She's a rehome is is kind of how my my perception of her is. Um, And at the same time, Michelle, we see a lot of dogs in there um, from rescue or from centres right at the centre. And they do come with their own challenges, Michelle, right? Definitely. Um, most definitely. And every dog has a different history. Every dog has a different relationship with their new home, how they got to the owner. So it's um, it's always an interesting journey to explore with with new owners of rescues. 
So, Catherine, uh, you've obviously uh, got your current dogs. Tell us a little bit about some of the struggles that people might face when first bringing um, a rescue or even a rehomed dog uh, home. And I remember my very, very first dog, um, she was a rehome. My first um, ever dog, was she was a rescue. She was from... Uh, the, the, where they, they were called um, the Plymouth um, Cats and Dogs Home. Um, and they basically had hundreds of greyhounds, hundreds of greyhounds, like so many greyhounds. And they were always in in rescue and, and rehome centres due to the fact that effectively they're ex-racing and their racing careers ended quite early, uh, injuries or just not being good enough, to be honest. So they're, they're, they're not good enough for the for the racing industry that they're in. And so very quickly they find themselves in rehome centres and, and they'll be all over the, across the country, guys, you're going to see, um, and all countries, ex-racers, ex-lurchers, sort of racers, sort of greyhound whippet types. And they were typically... There were so many of them that that's who came home with me. And she certainly had struggles, struggles like separation. She had struggles with um, meeting new people. She had struggles with just general confidence. Um, house training was definitely a problem. Uh, definitely a very anxious um, dog, very worried dog. Um, she used to shake. She'd like shake and you'd hear her because she was quite bony. You'd like hear her bones. And then like literally, and when I say that, I mean, she would be on a wood floor and she wouldn't pick the bed. She'd pick the hardwood floor and then you'd hear her. Like she would just be trembling all the time. And she was a very, very, sensitive dog and I wish I'd known what I know now with her however many years ago when I, when I had her um 25 years ago and more um so it, it's an interesting journey so tell us some of the common struggles you've seen Catherine uh, with your rescue dogs yeah so um actually my rescue dogs have completely different struggles and um, based on where they've come from etc but generally what I see especially for with rescue dogs coming from UK centers I think nowadays a lot of the dogs are surrendered because of behavior problems themselves so lots of reactivity we see and and a lot of the dogs actually that are now currently in rescue centers are like dog reactive um so there's a lot of no other dogs etc so we do see a lot of reactivity issues with dogs that are currently in UK centres with my rescue dogs I think um, Sadie my German shepherd she's had a lot of anxiety she still has a lot of anxiety issues so she couldn't walk down the path even in the rescue centre because she was so scared um, so there's a lot of um, separation anxiety issues and just general confidence issues um, then with Clyde, my Westie rescue, he's again has a lot of reactivity issues, confidence issues um, as well. So he's um, he really needs to learn how to be calm. Um, so he's just totally hyperactive, um, which we see in those types of dogs. So they just generally have a full bucket, a lot of them. Um, and then Loki and Bonnie, um, they've come to me from Romania. So they actually have quite a different set of struggles because they're quite different dogs in, in that sense because they are um in, in some way or the other stray dogs um that have been in in you know public shelters in Romania. So Bonnie was just terrified. She was terrified of everything and I, even I couldn't interact with her when she first came to me. Um Loki is um came to me as a young dog but he has chase struggles and he has um also reactivity issues as well so these are quite some of the common struggles that i see with dogs um whether they came from overseas or whether they've come from a rescue center here now our centers 
for sure in the UK, and I'm sure it would be similar abroad, like they are overrun with dogs, right? Like there are a lot of dogs in these senses. And at the same time, if we look at what we do as trainers, and if you look at what we do as concept trainers, the struggles that these dogs will have in, in rehome centers and, and rescue centers are very similar to the struggles at the same time that, that the people will be having in their day-to-day with dogs. Um, and for sure, like you just said, the Romanian rescues and the other dogs that you um, have, they all have different struggles, but they are all struggles. And those struggle sets all still can have solutions, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, definitely, um, with all my rescues, they have um, they are on a path to transformation. Um, they are at different stages in this path, but they're all like the games that we play, learning games club, and and that have really helped to first of all help me build a relationship with the dogs, um, but then also to actually start growing their skills as well, so that so that they are ready for real life and and basically what we would encounter when we go out out and about as well. Because ultimately, that is what happens. We put dogs in spaces that they don't have the skill set to uh, be able to cope with. And then we wonder why they do the things they do. But ultimately, we're putting them in in spaces that they they can't handle. Now, I know, Michelle, you guys have been training this week. I know you guys have had a lot of fun. I know you guys have had loads of success. Maybe just give me the lowdown from a trainer's perspective, like having um, Katrin and her rescue dogs um, coming to train. And obviously, I think one thing that's really important to say is that, yes, these guys have all come through rescue. They are Katrin's dogs. So they are rescue dogs. They've come from rescue. They are now Katrin's dogs. Um, so they can lose the label of they won't stay a rescue dog forever. They are they are Katrin's dogs. But they do present their own unique struggles, all four of them, not necessarily because they're rescue, because they're dogs with their own skill sets and their own struggle um, sort of areas. Uh, how's it been this week, Michelle? And what have you covered? And and maybe like just give us a like sort of top top sort of line of, of, of where we are. So it's been really interesting to see Catherine work with her dogs because she's made really good choices for both of them and very different dogs. So one dog struggles, Sadie struggles with new places and gets very distracted and struggles with taking food. So Catherine's done a great job of setting her up for success and quite a few times just worked outdoors, even though the weather wasn't that nice and didn't bring the dog indoors because that wasn't in her best interest. And um, it's really nice to see that because you want to advocate for your dog and you want to make sure that you're setting them up for success and you've got their back, basically. So looking out for them, having that trust. And the students have all noticed the improvement in Sadie over the week. So today she was in the building and she was taking food and she was playing the games. Um, like one of the great games that um, Catherine did as soon as she brought her into the building was orientation game. Just throwing some food back and forth and getting her moving and not thinking too much about the environment. And then you've got um, your other dog, uh, Loki, Catherine, who is the opposite. He's larger than life. So he wants to be everybody's best friend. And he's like, oh, my gosh, people, they're here. They're here to see me. Um, So very different dogs and really nice to see how the games can be applied and help both dogs um, in the same what you would think is the same situation, but a totally opposite response to it. And the improvement's been like uh, I get goosebumps thinking about it just over a week, how much they've improved um, and how much they've embraced a, a very new, very different environment. And what I love there, listening, is that, Catherine, that's because of the way you've set it up. And I think this is really important to address. It's one of the things we address all the time. So I'm in a very squeaky chair. Um, It's one of the things we address all the time in the games club. It's setting our owners up to understand even better how to advocate for their dogs. Because I think the biggest thing, you at home might be listening right now thinking, do I advocate for my dog? Am I advocating for my dog? If you're thinking, am I advocating for my dog? Possibly not, right? Like I think that 
advocating for your dog. Like I feel very positive about that. This is how this vet trip is going to go. This is how this training session is going to go. This dog isn't coming in this training session, even though I really want to, it's just not going to go well. Uh, this is how this is going to work whilst I'm away from home. This is going to be how this is going to go whilst I travel to, let's say the next place I'm going like that type of thing. Like it's all very intentional. And as an owner of whether that's a dog with behavior struggles, a rescue dog, a rehome dog, or um, a dog that you've had all your life and all of their life and still has struggles because behaviorally there are challenges. You know what? Don't feel um, like you need to apologize for that. Set yourself up and advocate for your dog and know that that's the right thing. So Catherine, I love hearing about that. How did you go about making those decisions and what sort of decisions have you made this week that help you to advocate for your um, rescue dogs? Yeah, I think as Michelle already mentioned, I look at the dog in front of me on the day um, and then I make a decision. Is it the right thing? Depending on what we're doing in the training session, I make the decision. Is it the right thing for me to bring that dog out right now? Um, How is their bucket? Are they just going to be all over the place and not really listening to me? So um, I've, I've obviously made a lot of decisions in terms of working outside with Sadie. And only then when it was a little bit quieter around the centre as well, I I kind of thought about trying to get her indoors, um, which really worked out well for her because she felt a lot more confident. Um, For Loki, it's a decision around where's your brain? Is your brain with me? So a lot of times I just do a lot of check-ins with him. It's like, are you with me or are you already trying to greet the next person (laughs) that is in the building? So um, really... It has really helped me as well. And we worked a lot on, on transitions as well, transitioning the dogs out of the car, transitioning them into the into the building as well. And it really helped me slow Loki down and kind of get the transitions right as well um, in terms of setting him up for success when he comes into the building. So rather than storming in, um, he's now making a calm decision to walk in and we can kind of start working from there. Um, so it's it's really been been great for me to to kind of work on these skills as well that I can then also take home and work with my other two dogs as well. Amazing stuff. Now I'm listening and again, I'm thinking like I'm, I definitely have a history in rescue. I started helping in um, Plymouth Cats and Dogs Home when I was about 13. So I helped and I walked dogs and I fed dogs and I groomed dogs and I basically loved dogs. And that's been forever like we've 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 had an awareness of the the centers around us and the centers locally now one thing i think is really important is that no rescue dog is ever going to be the same like you're not going to get two identical rescue dogs all we're talking about is dogs that have gone through potentially multi homes and potentially have multi struggles but let's be sort of straight here there's lots of dogs who haven't been through multi homes and still have multi struggles and you could also get from a rescue or rehome center the absolute dream dog that actually has just found itself in an unfortunate circumstance and i think that's really important to acknowledge that these are bespoke scenarios so if we think about um bringing home a rescue dog you are going to do that, obviously, in the very near future. What are the sorts of things that you think through and you go through before you even before you even sort of embark on that mission? So I think one of the key things, and this is where I see a lot of mistakes being made, is when people bring their rescue dog home, um, they initially start integrating them totally into life. Um, but they don't necessarily give the dog the decompression that they need in terms of adjusting to the new environment um, when they first come home because everything is new. It's like, imagine you move up to a completely new city and everything is new for you. That's exactly how the dog's got to feel, right? So, um, you know, and, and now thinking about the next dog joining, I'm actually thinking, already thinking about how am I going to lay out the house? How am I going to 
set the dog up for success in terms of that they have that quiet space where they can just accustom to me being around the other dogs being around and um you know then slowly start kind of building that relationship with the dog so I'm not expecting the dog to jump all over me in the first few days I just want them to be happy that I'm there um and then really start growing that relationship before I even think about taking the dog out for a walk because I don't know what their skills are um because the dog, this dog is coming from Romania, I haven't met that dog before. So I need to initially even establish what skills the dog has um, and then decide based upon that what I'm going to do next with that dog. So I really want to advocate for him when he when he comes home um, and set him up for success and, and really help him settle in as well as he can. I think this is mega. I think it's about actually allowing them space, allowing them time, allowing them some decompression. Um, I think that's that's absolutely vital when it comes to um, rescue and, and rehome. Now, I think what we should do, because you've got three um, really cool experts here, uh, dogs, dog training and, and rescue. Uh, I think let's do a little tips tennis. So tips for um, rescue dogs and tips for um, dogs that are coming through rehome centres. Let's just tips tennis between us. I'm going to start, I'm going to go to Michelle and then I'm going to go to Catherine. So I give you guys a little warning. And I'm going to say, give it time because they may come home and you think that everything is perfect and you're like this is beyond brilliant oh my god they're amazing like look at how things go and I remember with Lucy she was our lurcher and you can tell I didn't name her because I've definitely never named a dog anything as sane as Lucy before in my life um but Lucy was a lurcher she was a, a little brindle dog um I'm sure I can find a photo of her I've got quite a few and uh I loved her dearly really really mismatched to me to be honest because she had very 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 nervous quirky worried little dog and and I was very high energy and I wanted her to do agility so very poorly matched like very poor match from from both sides and she came with like cigarette burns down her back so she'd had someone like put cigarettes on her she was very very um nervous of men noises strangers like generally she never bitey always sensitive and I would say it took her a good six months to see the dog she was so it could took a good six months for her to be that and and we started where everything seemed really great. And then she went through stages of like completely destroying spaces and like, like separation, like I've never seen before. Like she would destroy the back door and like suddenly the back door had been taken down and my dad was going loopy and shouting about it. And me as a young person, like I was only probably 11 or 12, but that was very upsetting for me to live in a household where my dad was angry at her and I could tell that she was upset. And I just, as in not at my dad, but generally she was upset. And so that was a hard thing to live in. And I would say it took us six months to actually know what she was and what she wasn't. Um, and you might think that within the first few days that you've got it, like she felt like she was house trained in the first few days and she didn't have any separation struggles that I could see. No, actually she was probably so inhibited. She couldn't show any of it. Like she was so inhibited. Like we thought she wasn't particularly foodie. No, she was very greedy. She was just, again, very, very scared when she came home. So no, she didn't make a peep, but largely because she didn't know what to do. And no, she didn't have any accidents, but largely because she didn't want to go for a wee. She was holding her bladder because she didn't know what the hell to do. And so my first tip would be give it time give it six months maybe give it a year don't rush into making any judgment this is an aggressive dog this is a nervous dog this is a um, scared dog this is this let just watch them observe them let them be a bit like try not to do too much people want to do way too much my first tip watch them observe them let them be go on michelle next tip um the best way to build your relationship is ditch the ball so that could be hand feeding if that's too much for the dog it could be just scatter feeding with you in the room 
but you've got to find a way to build a relationship and food ditching the bowl. And there's great resources in club that or a games club that will help you with that, but find a way to grow that relationship with your dog. Um, squeezy tubes. It could be using one of those ball chuckers, putting food in the end of it. It could be from your hand. It could be throwing it. There's lots of different ways that you can help connect with your, with your new rescue through their food. I love that. And I'm going to say, uh, guys, if you haven't joined the challenge, the challenge is the last day of the challenge. So you're a little bit late. And at the same time, you still have the opportunity to join Games Club for £5. Like, what are you waiting for? Go and join. It's absolutedogs.me forward slash join the club. All of our games are in there, literally over 400. It's insane value. You've got stop jumping, stop barking, uh, literally stop stealing's just gone in there. There is so much stop pulling. There is so much in there. It is a hive of activity. It's £5. Get in and trial it. Get in and have a look at it. Go in and nose. If you don't like it, it's not for you. That's fine. You just need to cancel. It will not take any more money from you. If you do love it, please join us. We know that it makes a difference for dogs. Now, uh, Katrin, I'm going to head to you. What is your next tip for rescue dogs? I know that you use the Games Club too for yours, right? Yes, exactly. And and my tip would be, um, especially if you're in Games Club and um, you are playing some of the games, think about taking away some of the pressure. Um, so watch your dog, watch their body language, especially when they first arrive, um, take away the pressure. So play orientation game, but without the marker, for example, and don't expect them to interact with you the way you know it's shown on the video because some of the dogs really react to pressure. So just you know, have fun and play the games, but adapt them to what your dog needs at that point in time. It's a really, really nice one, really nice one. And, and the adaptation, I think, between the food and what you're doing, Michelle, with Ditch the Bowl and between Catherine, what you're saying with, with Release the Pressure. And, and probably I'm, I'm going to say pick the right game for the dog. And that would be in Games Club, you've got 400 games. This is a rescue dog that might need, I don't know, disengagement, which is effectively... I don't know, you're out and about on a walk and that dog is wanting to lunge and bark and, and it reacts to everything in, in the world. You need them to disengage from that and be able to walk by. Um, and actually, that isn't going to happen tomorrow. Let's not set ourselves for unrealistic expectations, but it's going to happen a lot quicker if you understand what you're looking for and you understand how to get it. So for me, play the right game for the right dog. So uh, again, another example, I had a lovely student who said, ditch the bowl, not working for me. I'm throwing food everywhere and the dog's not working and I've never fed them in a bowl and I can't believe it. And I said, what are you wanting? And she said, focus. And I'm like, why are you throwing your food on the floor? That makes no sense. Let's not be doing that. And so I think you do need to pick the game to the dog. And the thing that I love about Games Club is you can pick the game to the dog. Now, if you're already a Games Club member, you should be making yourself playlists and sharing them within the community because the community love to see what you're doing. And if you're not a Games Club member, join. It's £5. And most of all, I think start creating yourself a bit of a list because a playlist is going to be how you um, bespoke it for your own dog. I love the idea. It's not one size fits all. I think that's really, really, really important. The second thing I would say here when it comes to picking the game per the dog, it's not about you. And I know that's really hard to hear as a handler. When I'm training my dog some days, I desperately want to train one thing and actually they probably need the absolute opposite. So you might be thinking that I'm going to train a really high energy game. It's going to be awesome. And I would look down at my little dog, Lucy, and she'd be like, that ain't the game we're playing today. And even Cardboard Chaos, which is one of the games in the, in the games club, even Cardboard Chaos would be too much. And I think it's really important that we look at the right games. Now, if you haven't experienced games and what games are at Absolute Dog, please head to our Facebook page. We've always got free content on there or look at our YouTube. There's always free content on there as well. So it's absolute dogs. And just like Catherine and Michelle are telling you, there's so much free content around. You can take it at any level or you could just join for five pounds and, and, and make the most of it. But I really 
truly believe it's vital that we pick the game to the dog. We don't go, we're playing this game because we like it. It's not about us. It's about them. My tip would be um, have a plan. So you want to focus forward, not backwards. You want to look forward at the future with your dog and having a plan and having something to look forward to. That's going to help you just grow and develop and stay positive because it's very easy having a rescue dog to get stuck in their history and the story of where they came from. What you want to look at is what can that dog become? I absolutely love that. And I think that is vital. Um, And I think it's really important that we always um, keep that open perspective. What do you think, Catherine? Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, I'm sometimes at fault that I still put a label on my dogs because I always say I've got Romanian rescues, but no, they're just Romanian mixes. Um, That's all they are. So um, definitely need to think about not putting that label in because it just becomes an excuse um, to say, oh, he does that because he's a rescue dog. Um, So we do want to think about what they can be rather than what they are right now um, and really look forward to the future. <laughs> I love that. I love what you say there because I remember, I just you just took me back a moment and I remember I was having a really bad moment with a dog about, I am talking about 20 years ago um, and I was working a dog and I was in a, at the time I would do things like go to pet shops. I don't really do that anymore. I don't really put my dogs in those situations. But 20 years ago I did. And I still think I was a very positive trainer. I just maybe put them in spaces that they didn't really have the skill set for. And I remember someone leaning over him and he didn't like it. And he came up at them and he didn't bite them, but he came up and did that like butt where they were almost close to biting, I would say. I don't think it's it's far off. It definitely was a good warning. And I remember saying, he's a rescue. Now he wasn't a rescue, right? Like, but I used it as a reason for people to go, oh. There's a reason for that. And actually, you're completely right that those reasons then sometimes stop us pushing on a level up on our training and it stops us leveling up. So I actually think it's really important. Like I used it in a, in a quick sense because I was like, let me get out of this situation and it's very uncomfortable. Uh, but actually, it's it's even when they are, it's actually we we, we can go better than that. What do you think, Catherine? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think and, and I, I mean, I've seen it me doing it myself as for Sadie it's like oh I'm sorry she's a rescue sort of thing that's why she's acting the way she does but then again it's just thinking about yeah she's acting like that but what does that tell me and how can I improve it so I am now thinking I'm what I've become a solution seeker in terms of you know I look at it and it's like okay what does that tell me she needs we need to improve her skills in x y and z area so you know that's why I love games club because there's so many options for me to then check based on the struggle, what can I play? What what games can we play? And it's not only about then obviously addressing a struggle, it's also about building that relationship with me. Um, so it, it's really important that we don't make excuses for our dogs in that sense, um, but that we really think about what they really can be. Similar to us, you know, we have our achievements that we want to achieve and what we think what we can be and what we can achieve. And we should do the same for our dogs as well. I love it. I really love it. Now, Catherine and Michelle, let's think about um, how we can advocate better for our rescue dogs, because I think this is important. Um, how like just some of the little tips that we can sort of put in place that are going to help our dogs in these situations. And I'm going to start I'll come to Michelle next and then you, Catherine. Um, and I'm going to say uh, for me, um, gates, crates, boundaries, safe spaces, um, planning out my house very well. Like those for me sit really well. Over to you, Michelle. Um, uh, he won't like that. So being okay with saying that to people that my dog actually won't like that. So if someone wants to come over and put their hands on your dog, 
thank you, he won't like that. And just being being strong enough to be able to say that and not letting people um, put you in an awkward situation, you're, you've got your dog's back. That, that It's not about the other person, it's about your dog and focus on that. And Catherine? I'd say invest in calmness um, because when the dog first arrives, they're going to have a completely overflowing bucket because they need to decompress. But then throughout, because you're always going to have situations where it fills their buckets, especially when you start taking them out and about and you have these kind of experiences where maybe a, another dog or a stranger comes up to them. It's all bucket filling. It's all stressful for the dog. So I would really say invest in calmness. That's the best thing you can do for your dog, giving them Obviously, that space to rest with the pens, crates and gates, but also giving them long lasting shoes, licky mats, etc. to to help them build that calmness and, and really have them in the best mindset as they can be. I love that one. And I'm going to take from what you, you've already both of you said. And I, I also think here, let's build in boundary games. Right. But I'm going to put in a, sl- a slightly quirky thing here on boundary games. Boundary games I love. I think boundary games are absolutely fantastic. I think they're fantastic for all dogs, rehomed, rescued right from puppy like I think boundary games are fantastic and also and I think this is really important and for some of you this will be a light bulb moment if your rescue dog or your nervous dog or your sensitive dog chooses to get off the boundary and they're in an anxious situation or a worried situation or you think there might be a good reason for them to get off let them get off do not put them in pressure and make them stay on a boundary when there is something they're very uncomfortable with and I've seen it so many times and I've got a noise sensitive dog some of you might seen her she's called brave Uh, she's also had a spinal condition or not condition a trauma Uh, she went sprinting off a field uh, across a field and had a what's called an ANNPE she's partially paralyzed and we've rehabbed her she's very very noise aware and if she's on a boundary and something scares her and she gets off, I never force her back to that space. And I would say the same with a lot of the rehome rescue dogs, that if there's something they're anxious about or worried about, or don't put them in those positions where they have to like sit, stay or downstay or be on a boundary, because I personally feel like we're putting them in a place of conflict. And then someone does try and speak to them and you've removed their sort of flight option and they don't have many other options. Right. And I think that we do need to be careful of boundaries. I love training boundaries. Uh, those of you in Games Club, uh, you absolutely have some of the best boundary content in there. There are hundreds of games. Lots of them involve boundaries. In addition to that, you've got a boundary games badge and you've also got a mega badge, which is literally real life boundary games, which talks about taking it out on the road and, and getting it in different spaces and really troubleshoots with you. Mega badge worth over £150 and you get it when you're in the Games Club included. And right now, like we said, £5. It's the last days of the challenge. So it's, it's running out soon. Uh, but what I would say is... For me, it's a really important distinction. Like my dog is meant to stay on the boundary and understands boundary games. But you know what? If they're scared or they're in conflict, come on, let's use our emotional intelligence. Let's use ourselves as um, clever dog trainers here. And let's actually look and think, should they be forced to stay in that situation? No, absolutely not. Let them out of the situation. If they are trying to flee and go and hide in another space or hide in another room, make a safe den for them, make it comfortable for them, close the curtains, put the radio on, and let's leave them there and let's them, let them work themselves out. So that would be my boundary games tip. I'm going to head over to Catherine. Any others that you'd like to share? And then back to Michelle. Yeah, I think um, just following on from that is really learn your dog's body language um, so that you can understand are they scared, are they worried about things? Because as much as obviously dog language is a little bit universal, every dog has their own 
works in terms of how they communicate. Um, so really learn to understand how your dog's communicating, the signs that they show when they're worried, the signs that they show when they're excited, even the signs that they show when they need to go to the toilet. Um, it's about really learning about your dog so that you can understand and really meet their needs um, right. and that you're not putting them into situations that they're not comfortable with. And I really like that. And I remember having um, a, a dog I was training a good 15, 20 years ago again, and she would stare at walls. And I remember a lady saying, no, she's obsessive about staring at the wall. I'm like, no, she's not. She's absolutely so shut down to the point that she are, she can't even handle the world. And interestingly, when I was working in rescue centres, um, when I was a lot younger, uh, the dogs that always upset me the most were those dogs, the dogs that were, had completely gone inside of themselves. They weren't the dogs barking or lunging or gives me goosebumps just talking about it. It. they're not the dogs that are like facing and and the dogs that to be honest I'm more drawn to so the dogs I'm quite drawn to are like the Malinois that are throwing themselves at the cages and I'm like yeah I could work with you and um, you'd be you'd be my type of dog to work with the dogs that actually upset me a lot more and the dogs that make me really worry and fear for them they make me um sort of want to want to help are the dogs that are staring at walls and they've gone so um beyond being able to cope that their their coping strategies now um so in it's just such an insular wor- world for them um and those are dogs that are often missed because they're not causing the center a lot of problems so they're not the dogs that are looking like they're kennel stressed or um upset and anxious actually they're quiet and so they're not such a hassle and I, and that for me um is is really well acknowledged Catherine. yes what is their what language are they giving you what are they telling you and those dogs for me are telling me they really need help like they really and they do not need to be sat in a kennel they absolutely don't need to be sat in that kennel. Um, okay, Michelle, we're heading to you. Um, it's reiterating a point you made earlier and a conversation I regularly have with students. And it's, are you doing this for you or for your dog? Um, whether it's visitors coming to the house, the decision to take your dog to the pub, or even to take that dog out for a walk, whether that's up on the moors or on a busy street, is that the best environment for that dog to be in? Are you doing it for yourself? because you want to take your dog out and you think that's in their best interest, pause for a second, ask yourself the question, is that the best environment for my dog to be in? I was just having this conversation with students today and they were asking about taking their dogs to the pub, the local pub that's near us. And the question I'm always asking is, is that is that right for your dog? Will they enjoy it? Are they going to be okay in the pub? Because I don't think if you actually ask that question, it's the right answer for every dog to be going into a pub or to have visitors come into the house and have the dog in the living room with strange people sitting around. It's such a great point. And so many times, time over and over and over again, dogs are put into positions that actually are comfy for us, but not necessarily needed for them. Uh, and I know what it's like. Like, I love taking my dog to the restaurant and I love taking my dog to, to the pub, but I really have to look at them and go, is that going to be right for you? Probably not. Brave, is it right for you? You know, there's too many unpredictable noises. There's too many unpredictable floorings. There's too many unpredictable um, sort of scenarios. It's not right for you. Tokyo, is it right for you? Yeah, it's probably much better for you. You're good with unpredictable noises. You're good with unpredictable flooring. So you're not going to slip. Like you, you do have to analyze it. And fair doesn't mean equal. Just because you take one doesn't mean you have to take both. The other thing is, and I know this sounds crazy, but some of my dogs would equally love just to travel in the car to hang out in the car for an hour and then to come back in. And obviously in the UK, we can do that because it is cold uh, and most of the time. Uh, and so it's not going to, and, and we would be going to safe spaces. Um, but my dogs would quite happily travel to where I'm going with me. Um, they'd hop in the car and they'd love to get in the car. I'd go then in and grab something to eat and then come back out and go home again. And that for them would still be a nice little adventure. Right? And I know it might sound odd to you, but I do think we've got to think about the individual dog and is it suitable? Um 
And I think that's that's mega. Now, Catherine, obviously, uh, we were talking with you, uh, both Michelle and I, because you are literally living the rescue life and living the rescue dream. Uh, we have already, literally, our listeners are already in like 40 minutes here. Uh, but is there anything you'd love to add to that or anything you'd like to sort of round up with? I think it's just, um, you know, embracing the rescue life a little bit as well. So rescue dogs always come with a label of being difficult dogs. Um, but actually, rescue dogs are just like any other dog. They're just the unfortunate ones that ended up in a shelter. Um, their behaviors are not any any much different than, you know, dogs that have grown up in a pet home. Um, they are just, you know, the other dogs are just the lucky ones that haven't been surrendered. So it's really, you know, thinking about maybe volunteering in a shelter, even if you can't give a rescue dog a home, but just, you know, embrace the life or rescue life a little bit and, and maybe think about volunteering and helping those dogs out as well. Such a lovely, lovely thing to do. And actually, in those centres, I know we've got a centre not too far from us, Michelle, and um, just getting them out for a walk or uh, doing a little bit of interactive uh, training with them. Or And when I say a walk, I mean within their own grounds, so it's safe spaces often for those dogs um, and getting them out for a little bit of enrichment. Um, I actually think for most of the pro dog trainers and most of the games club students, um, I think our most sensible thing to do would be to go in and try and get a, a few skills in there. So actually, can they do orientation game? And uh, is there a safe place that you can exercise size on their site that you might be able to input a few of those bits and I'm going to say to everyone if you haven't already heard it you know what be part of games club and share the love of games club with rescue dogs whether that's a local rescue dog center maybe you're a rescue dog center listening and you'd like maybe to have some games that you could try well you know what email the ask team that's ask at absolute-dogs.com and we'll see if there's anything we can gift you because we would like to help rescue dogs all over the world whether you're listening here from we've got a rescue center in thailand that listen Catherine, that you'll be like amazed with so they're in thailand and they listen and um, we've got rescue centers in um, New Zealand, Australia that listen in. So maybe you're a rescue centre listening from anywhere in the world. If you want to reach out to us, we'll absolutely have something that we can do to help you uh, and help your clients and help your students all the way through. We want to help rescue dogs. We want to see success there and we want to see less dogs in the shelter. So actually 100% guys, if we can do something to support that, then please reach out to the Ask team or through the Absolute Dogs website. Now, thank you, Catherine. Thank you, Michelle. Uh, Both of you have been fantastic. We literally cannot wait uh, to share more of this with you. So I'm sure there'll be another one in the making. And that was this episode of the Sexy and the Squirrel podcast. We will see you for the next episode. And I can't tell you too much about it, but I do know that you're going to love it.